Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Winnipeg Goldeyes standout third baseman, Dason Crows, named the top rookie position player in the American Association. Also, Skylar Peters and I preview the NFC for the upcoming NFL season. That's all coming up on the podcast. And a big honor for a member of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes is third baseman Dason Crows has been named American Association Rookie Position Player of the Year. The native of Nord Aruba hit 351, fourth best in the American Association, his 135 hits, most in the league. Second on the club with 67 RBI, 41 walks, tied for second on the team with two triples, struck out just 36 times in 439 plate appearances. And from May 14th to June 13th, he hit safely 25 straight games, which is the longest hitting streak in the league this year. Prior to joining the Gold Eyes, the 23-year-old played three seasons at Quincy University in Quincy, Illinois. And I caught up with Jason earlier today and started by asking him where he is now that the season is over. I'm back in Quincy, Illinois. Okay. Back at school. So you're you're still in school then? Yeah, I'm still. I'm currently doing my master, so I'm back at school right now. I finish in May. Okay, and how many years is this a school for you now? This would be year six, I think. Okay. I believe, yeah, year six. So what are you looking to get your master's in? I'm doing um, business administration, so master's in business administration, my MBA. Okay, and why did you find that appealing? Well, I, when I graduated last year and I was looking for a place to play, my head coach at the time offered to pay for my master's like as a plan B. So I, can, I have something to do instead of like while I was looking for somewhere to play. So I started it last year. It's a two-year program. So since I'm already halfway done with it, I decided just why not just finish it. Of course. Why not? Especially uh, if you're enjoying it, which I take it you are? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fun. Okay. Now, the place you found to play ended up being Winnipeg. How would you say your rookie season went here with the Gold Eyes? Um, well, I wish we would have won a couple more games and be pl- still playing right now. But other than that, it was great. I mean, Winnipeg was amazing. The fans, the people. I loved every single day there. And I enjoyed it. Now, did you expect to be able to succeed as much as you did at the plate in your first pro year? Um, coming into the year, I didn't have, it was my first professional year, so I didn't really have any expectations. I just know that I can control whatever I can control, and that's working hard and trusting in my abilities and showing up every day and putting work in, and that's what I did, and it paid off paid off and today named the rookie position player of the year what does that honor mean to you it means a lot it means a lot because um i just wanted to coming into the year i wanted to prove i belong and whenever um taggart signed me one of the first things i told him was you won't regret this because he gave me a chance to pursue my dream of playing professional baseball and that was one of the biggest motivations for me is proving i belong in the league and proving to Tiger that he didn't make a mistake signing me and giving me a chance. So. Now going to school in Illinois, then were you aware of the American association? Yes, I was. I actually, last year I was sending out emails and one, of, I don't remember which team specifically, but I got a reply and they're like, 
they said we only we're only looking for players that have played in double A or triple A with double A or triple A experience. So <laughs> yeah. And you obviously didn't have that. So how did you find your way to Winnipeg? Tell us how you wound up getting signed by Greg Taggart and the Gold Eyes. Honestly, um, Taggart found me. I don't know how he got my, to this day, I don't know how he got my information, my phone number, but he called me one day and we talked on the phone and he asked me some questions about baseball and stuff. And then we stayed in contact for, I believe it was a week or so. And then he told me he wanted to sign me and give me a chance. So that's how I came to Winnipeg. And was there ever any doubt of, of saying yes? No, 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 no. I told I wanted to sign the first time he called me, and we had to figure out some paperwork and like visa and stuff. But once that was done, we it was right away. I'm curious if you knew anything about Winnipeg before you got here. I knew it's cold in the winter there. Uh huh. And I knew about the Winnipeg Jets from the NHL. So okay. Quincy's close to St. Louis. So. I know about the Blues. I've been to a couple Blues games. So I knew of the Jets. But other than that, no, I didn't know much about Winnipeg. Well, I mean, if you you, you know, going to school in in Quincy, I'm sure winters there aren't spectacular either. They're not as cold as here, but it's not like you're going to school in Florida. (laughs) Yeah, no, not at all. We get some snow, but from what I've heard, nothing, nothing compared to Winnipeg. No, I can confirm that everything you've heard is correct. Now, for you, coming from Aruba, how did you wind up at a school in Illinois? So, originally out of Aruba, I got my only... The only school that gave me a chance to play college ball was a JUCO in Iowa, in Burlington, Iowa. So I went there for two years. And after those two years, Quincy was... um, it's only like an hour and a half away from where from Iowa or where I went to school in Iowa. So the coach here just called me in the summer after my sophomore season and asked me if I want to come on a visit. And I love the place. I love the facilities. So I'd come here. What was the baseball scene like growing up in Aruba? Because I know that it's produced some pretty good talent over the years. Yeah, it is. It's... Um, one way to describe it is you're playing against the same kids all the way from whenever you're five until 17. So it's, um, we only play on the weekends, believe it or not. And I mean, it was good. I've played for the Aruba national teams a couple of years. I actually went to the Little League World Series in 2011 with Aruba. That was pretty cool. That was good. I mean, Obviously, the weather there is it's warm all year round, so we can practice all year round. You don't have to worry about the cold and or rain or any of that. So, hey, Aruba's not very big for those who haven't looked up Aruba. You got like a hundred thousand people about in this country that that land wise is, is pretty small. So, for you to come to what's considered a a small t- town, I guess Quincy, to go to university and then to Winnipeg, which is among the smaller cities in Canada, but for you, 700,000 people, is, did, did Winnipeg feel like a big city? Oh, yeah. Winnipeg um, Winnipeg has been the biggest city I've lived in. I, like Living at the Radisson downtown, 
and that was the the biggest city I've ever lived in. So obviously I've been to vacation in New York and all that, but like living wise, Winnipeg's been the biggest city for me. Like living and being in. It's interesting because it is the smallest NHL city of the thirty two, but for for <laughs> someone like you who's from a, a small country, I I grew up in a village of a thousand people in Ontario. It's the biggest place I've lived too, but obviously very yeah. different different how we ended up here. But uh, yeah. What was the the biggest thing you took away from from just being in Winnipeg? What did you like doing away from the field? Um I just like number one was Tim Hortons. That was that <laughs> was amazing. That was part of my routine. Every day I wake up, I go to Tim Hortons, I grab a coffee and a the club what is it? Everything croissant bagel. Yeah. Oh that was that was amazing. So <laughs> That was part of my daily routine. But just walking around the city, I mean, everything is close by. So, and I had my car there. So, even driving like 10 minutes, like you can find anything you need there in Winnipeg. So, that was nice. Did you spend most of your time downtown? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Okay. So, for you then going back to Quincy, are you expecting to be back in Winnipeg next year or do you know yet? Um, no, I have no idea yet. Okay. Um, I mean, I would like to come back. It's a nice place. So, but we'll see how all that works out over the next couple months or so. What is your ultimate baseball goal? I would love to have a chance to play affiliate ball and prove that I can play there and then hopefully make it to the big leagues. That's the ultimate, ultimate goal. Do you feel like you can do it? Yeah, I think so. I think the American Association was just a step in the road, and I think all I need is one team to give me a chance in affiliate ball, and then I can prove myself there too and make my way up. Well, that'd be awesome. Uh, I'm curious, do you ever get back to Aruba? Yeah, I'm actually going in December. I go back to Aruba for like the holidays and stuff. So for some, they take a tropical vacation for the holidays. You kind of do too, but it's also a home visit. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Growing up... It's the cold a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Growing up, did you have a, a baseball idol? Uh, Yeah, I mean, my dad played pro ball for a little bit, so I was born into baseball, and he's like, growing up, he, so softball is really big in Aruba. I want to say bigger than baseball, like fast pitch softball. I know they play in Canada too. Um, but he would like just go into his game watching how he plays. Like he always plays hard and like hustles on and off the field. So just watching him play, that was a big, big um, idol for me. But like in the big leagues, Sander Bogarts, obviously he's from Aruba. So. And uh, you have Chadwick Trump, who's up and down with the Braves in the Braves organization. Um, so just players who've been there, and like I looked up to, like hopefully make it there one day. So now the one trouble, if you don't come back to Winnipeg, is that you might not find a Tim Hortons where you're playing next year. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Is it just the coffee? Like, what's the what's the draw there? Because obviously, people that come to Canada, they know if there's a stereotype, they know Tim Hortons is near the top of the list. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, the coffee was good, but I think it was more the the bagel or the croissant. Everything croissant with the egg and the bacon. There's something about it, man. I don't know. I don't think they're a sponsor, but maybe they should be. After this, they're getting a, a free plug here for me. Yeah, get, yeah, give me a call. <laughs> Well, Jason, uh, congrats on this uh, spectacular debut season in pro ball. Best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And yes, the NFL season is underway. Still not too late to preview the NFC, what we think is going to happen, especially what Skylar Peters thinks is going to happen. Here's our preview. We'll start with the NFC East. The Eagles, the defending champions of the NFC period, minus 130 on playnow.com. The Cowboys, plus 175. Giants, plus 750. And the Commanders, plus 1300. I feel like one minus 130 for the Eagles is kind of low. Yeah, but I do think that is because of uh, what the Dallas Cowboys have done in augmenting their roster and keeping their main roster pieces. I don't think it's much like of uh, pessimism about the Eagles, although that we've seen the Super Bowl loser, the hangover for those teams in the last couple of years. Bengals, think, though, last year were good. Yeah, they were strong. Yeah, for sure. They could have won that uh, Super Bowl yeah. as well. Um, and the Chiefs after and the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl Chiefs one year, the then came back the next year and lost to the Bengals in the AFC title mm-hmm. game, but that's not regular season. They still did well in the regular season. Yeah, and I, I think uh, a lot of people have questions about the Eagles' schedule last year and who they played. But it was very easy. They played you know, some good teams in the playoffs and got some wins there, too. Yeah. I mean, they didn't get to the Super Bowl by mistake, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a little harder for them to repeat it, for sure, and I do think this division overall is getting a little more competitive. Like, not, not saying the Commanders are going to you know, beat the Eagles two times or anything like that, but they're going to be a tougher test than they were last year. Um, but I really do think it's going to come down to the Eagles and Cowboys. They're, they're both playoff teams. Uh, I would think they're both 10-win teams. Okay. Uh, and I actually think I'd, I would probably take the Cowboys to win this division right now. Um, just the spending they've done, they've locked up a couple of studs on their offensive line. Terrence Steele, Zach Martin, uh, Trayvon Diggs gets a big extension uh, in the defensive secondary. Uh, and then the addition of Brandon Cooks as well, I think really rounds out that receiver group. So it all lies on the shoulders of Dak Prescott and who is he going to be? Uh, and I, you know, it's kind of crazy that we're still asking this question. I think in his seventh year, or sixth year in the league, um, but they have all the pieces. Otherwise, for sure, you know, losing Ezekiel Elliott doesn't mean much for them because they have Tony Pollard, and he came on so strong at the end of last season. Um, and I, I just want to see what the Eagles' defense does in particular. They added Jalen Carter, who I think might be the best defensive player in the draft. Uh, they got him at eight or nine, um, which is an absolute steal. And, you know, the rich get richer in that regard. So if the Eagles' defense does that again, Nick Sirianni's going to coach these guys up. Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. Um, they certainly deserve to be the divisional favorite, but I'm going to ride with the Cowboys, and I, I think they take a big step this year. Jalen Carter plus 700 for defensive rookie of the year. Second, yeah. second lowest odds to win that one. Um, also the Eagles over under for win total is 11 and a half. And the over is plus money right now. So if you, and Dallas is nine and a half, but the, uh, the over is not as valuable. So mm-hmm. that is the NFC East to the NFC South which is a division someone has to win. The Saints are plus money, plus 115, Falcons plus 215, then the Panthers at plus 375, and the Bucks at plus 750. I think the Panthers are going to suck. I think the Bucks are going to suck. I think this division isn't going to be very good. And the Saints last year weren't even that bad, and they didn't have a quarterback. 
Yeah, so, I would think the Saints would be the pick here, but I don't know. Atlanta Falcons last year, they didn't really have a quarterback either. But now Desmond Ritter's the guy. They can run the ball. They had two good running backs and then drafted one in the first round for some reason. So I guess they're just going to go with the, I don't know, 1930s offense. Just run the ball every single play, triple wing. They do, they do have a new position on the depth chart. I, the J for Corderell Patterson, which is, which is pretty funny. It's going to be fun to see how he gets involved in the offense because you got to give the ball to uh, Tyler Algier, who I think led all the rookie running backs last year in yards per attempt or yards per touch. Um, so one of those key stats, he was very, very good, very underrated uh, in a good rookie running back class. And then, of course, uh, Bijan Robinson is, um, you know, if what we're told is true, generational running back talents like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott like. Uh, so you think in his first couple of years, he's going to make a massive impact on this offense. I don't think that they went into the draft thinking that they were going to get that guy, um, but he kind of fell into their lap. He was certainly the best player available at the time on the offensive side of the ball, at least. Uh, and they're going for it. Desmond Ritter was a, you know, top three quarterback in a not so good quarterback draft class two years ago uh, and now he's got a full year with the ones under his belt this you know it's his team uh, and I think that's going to help him a bit we'll see what Arthur Smith can do with that team I do think uh, that the Atlanta Falcons are going to win the NFC South um, like like you I don't believe in the Panthers it's not a good situation for Bryce Young we talked about that with Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud all the the highly drafted quarterbacks are you know they don't have a whole lot around them in their their first year in the league for sure um, and Derek Carr's just been on a slow decline his entire career I mean we had quarterback questions and like people forget that there were quarterback questions in Las Vegas last year at a time and he kind of got shown the door uh, for a team that he had invested so much in which was sad to see and I'd love to see him improve I just don't know if that's going to be there um, for this Saints team it's a Saints team that's getting really old especially on the defensive line Um, you got to wonder about injuries with these guys uh, and Dennis Allen uh, you know he's not Sean Payton this isn't Sean Payton's team anymore so um, uh, I, I like the Falcons. I think plus 220 is a great number. It actually be, might be my favorite number uh, out of all the eight NFL divisions, uh, maybe save for the NFC West, which we're about to get to. Let's do it. San Francisco 49ers minus 175 right now as the favorite, uh, one of the bigger favorites there is in the NFL right now. Your Seahawks at plus 190. The other two teams we're not even going to mention. Rams and Cardinals, <laughs> they're both awful. They're both, well, okay, Rams are... Plus I don't think th- they're going to be as bad. Like, they're not going to be as bad as last year. Plus 1,000 for the Rams, plus 2,500 for the Cardinals. Yeah, the, the Cardinals, Cardinals over-under be... win total is three and a half. I think only the second time in the last, like, 25, 30 years that a team has had a win total over-under set under four. Um, the over's minus 130, under plus 100. I, I don't remember what the team was, um, and it was like a 1990s team, might be like a Tennessee team or something like that, um, and they actually went under. So they're not trying to win. No, they want Marvin Harrison and um, Caleb Williams, and they very well might get them both if Houston's bad. But let's not talk about them. No, Niner Seahawks go. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Seattle Seahawks are uh, going to make a lot of people feel pretty stupid, um, and not oh in boy. January, uh, in like October when okay. they have a game or maybe a two game lead in the NFC West. This is the most talented Seahawks team since 2014, uh, when they were coming off a Super Bowl win and went back to the Super Bowl. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is how good Geno Smith was last year, and if he can replicate that, but. In the way that he was good, minimizing mistakes, the most accurate passer in the league, great deep ball thrower, um, could run when he had to, 
you know, that seems very, very repeatable. The addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba to this wide receiver room makes them uh, a top three group in the league. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, another second round pick spent on a running back the second year in a row, Zach Charbonnet, to have him and Kenneth Walker. The offensive weapons are very plentiful. Walker was awesome last year. Yeah, and and now he doesn't have to work as hard either. Yeah. Uh, and they're two different types of running backs. Pete Carroll loves that. He, he's always loved those ground and pound guys. That's not what Walker is. That's what Charbonnet is. So I think he's really going to find a role in this offense. And the defense should take another step. The only group in the entire Seahawks um, organization that isn't great is the defensive line stopping the run. Um, but they just cleared $6.6 million in cap space. And there is a all-world defensive tackle in a contract situation with his current team that plays tonight. And he won't be on the field. I don't so know that's that. my hot take. <laughs> okay. So you think they're we'll trading Chris Jones to Seattle? I wouldn't. I I can see it. Seattle okay. loves making an early sure early season or late off season splash in the trade market. Jadavion Clowney, Sheldon Richardson, him, they've done it before with D linemen. Kansas City's going to keep him. I oh absolutely yeah, I think so too. But I I think Seattle would be a great suitor for Chris Jones. So, we'll see what okay, happens. You're, you're you're building up the Seahawks yes. here. Now why are they going to win the this division? over the Niners. Well, the Niners team is getting older. Uh, their two tackles uh, are very, very good. Eric Armstead uh, and Trent Williams. Um, but they're both, I think, 33-34. This is a, an aging roster that's getting paid a lot of money. And that it, it became even more so yesterday with the uh, signing of Nick Bosa, which uh, takes effect next year. And they don't have a quarterback. Like, this is an everything-but-quarterback team. Um, and Kyle Shanahan seems to be the kind of guy that can get the most out of a roster like this with the Debo Samuels and the Christian McCaffreys, uh, and Elijah Mitchell will be, you know, a, a tier one running back probably under this scheme too. Um, but they don't have the best player at the best position in this division. And for them to be minus 175, um, when they've struggled against Seattle in the past already with bad, uh, worse Seattle teams, I, I just think this is, uh, there's way too much value on the Seattle side of plus 220. And one thing we have to mention that we haven't yet before we get to the NFC North is that every year there's a lot of turnover for the playoffs. It's mm -hmm. very rare that you just run it back. There's usually four or five teams that make it every year that didn't the year before and four or five teams that fall out. And to use the East as an example, they haven't had a repeat division winner in 15, 16 years. Yeah, right. And we think it's going to be the Eagles, but mm -hmm. the NFL is the league where Generally, aside from the Chiefs lately or for the Patriots for two decades, what you think is going to happen usually doesn't. And if, and if you can expect one player to have a drastic uh, change in their trajectory to one season, I would probably think it'd be the guy who got selected last overall in last year's draft, got thrust into a starting role, then hurt his shoulder and now is coming Elbow. into... Yes, sorry, his throwing arm anyway. And now is coming into the season, you know, working off an injury. Yeah. So uh, Brock Purdy, you know, he's got to prove it more than Geno Smith certainly does. And they both had great seasons last year. So uh, 10 units on the Seattle Seahawks to win the Ooh. division for me. Well, okay, well, let's go to the NFC North. Finally, the Lions playing as we speak right now. Uh, we're taping this earlier, so we they might be up. They might be down. Who knows by this time? Uh, but the Lions plus 130. The Detroit Lions are the favorite to win a division in the year of our Lord 2023. The Vikings plus 240. The Packers plus 400. The Bears plus 425. There's no big underdog. There's no huge favorite, really. The, all these odds are, are not that far apart. 
explain to me why the Vikings aren't going to go back to back here. I, I mean, I'm obviously cheering for the Vikings. They 11 and 0 in one score games last year is not going to happen again. But Brian Flores says the defensive coordinator would seem to me to be an upgrade from last year's defense. That was really the big problem for that team. Yeah, and I I do think that uh, Seahawks and Vikings are in similar situations. Um, coming into this season but the only reason the vikings have a better number is because the teams below them are a little more competent like you you oh, have yeah. to give them some yeah. consideration yeah, yeah. um i actually think the best value on the board is the green bay packers plus 400 jordan loves a first round draft pick like uh-huh. this guy's got talent he's not brock purdy we're gonna know in a, a three three weeks maybe very quickly and this might be the best number you get for the packers all year yes i think it's worth considering uh and this might be a division where you take two uh, mm-hmm. And and the other one for me would be your Vikings. So you don't believe in Detroit. I do. I don't believe in them as division champs. Uh, okay. This is a tough division. Like I don't. This doesn't no, seem like no a team's going team five and one division. this division. It seems like there's one playoff team out of this division. It's the winner. Yeah, and I just think what the other one, the, the second best team, is going to be a bit of a disappointment. Like I think the Vikings could really disappoint, or well, the Lions could, could, could really disappoint. Both of them have a long history of doing that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> We have experts taking the Detroit Lions to finally win a playoff game this year. Like this Get is, in first. This is, yeah, this is where we're at with this team. I I don't think they deserve to be plus 130. Strictly Coaching from staff a, looks good, but, you know, yeah. Jared Goff, I mean. Well, and, okay. and until week seven, when Jamison Williams comes back off his gambling suspension, which is hilarious because we're doing a gambling segment right now. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but we don't play in the NFL, so out, it's fine. Outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, their biggest offensive weapon in the past game is a rookie tight end or Jameer Gibbs, a rookie running back. Yeah. Like You need to put the ball down the field. Yeah. Um, so I just have some concerns. Yeah, with Jamal the Williams is gone. They t- traded TJ Hawkins into the Vikings I do, last year. I do think um, picking up uh, oh from the Bears. Jeez, I just took his over rushing yards tonight. Montgomery. David Montgomery's an upgrade on Jamal Williams. Okay. So I, I think they got better in that sense. But, but you're going to say the Packers have the best value here. That, does that mean you're picking I, them to win the division? I will, I will probably take the Vikings and the Packers tonight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Packers, like, just a little throw in. They have a great roster. They're well coached. And, um, you know, Jordan Love certainly has the potential to be a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he's learned from Aaron Rodgers for four years now, right? Like, well, that's that, worth we saw something. that work out well for the Packers. Now, Rodgers in year one was fine, but year two and beyond, he was obviously amazing. Mm-hmm. So that is the NFC North. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the